War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 439-6028 439-6028 Yankee Tree Service YankeeTreeService.com What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming Experts based right in Lincoln Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today 439-6028 439-6028 Whether it's tree removal stump grinding, tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depetro.com. Make sure you check out the website. We have great um, gear and merchandise in the shop. Check it all out at depetro.com. Well, on this Tuesday, uh, what you're seeing right now, you know, when we've kind of talked about it and I've warned a little bit about it on this Tuesday, july 26th uh it seems like at least for the next couple of days the weather as you just heard in the forecast it's going to be um, a little bit cooler but governor mckee as i had predicted and said folks right now he will do anything in order to win this primary he will do anything to try to because the feeling is that if he can win the primary then he'll win the general election but this soccer stadium in Pawtucket, um the governor yesterday received the endorsement from both the nea rhode island teachers union and also afl-cio and you know this stuff doesn't come for free there's a price attached to it so the question is what did he promise both union organizations in order to get their endorsement well one of them we've already seen right now let alone all this school construction all of that is really just a payoff to the unions it has nothing to do with the students has nothing to do with the parents has nothing to do with it's going to improve education scores it's all no bid union contracts where they get to juice up the cost of building a brand new school uh to the tune you know they can juice it up by like 25 percent. that's a lot to a cost they don't have to worry about a bidding process and they also don't have to worry about maybe a developer will come in and private uh deals like that nope it's all done to the guise of it's totally allocated for them in exchange for political spending endorsements but this soccer stadium i mean we are headed into uncharted waters if this went on the ballot it would fail but to, just to show you where governor mckee is right now and i consider what i'm going to say uh fear constructive criticism he voted in favor of this soccer stadium and one of the people that he was voting with was george knee of the afl cio that sits on that board that is a complete conflict of interest governor mckee should not have been voting on that he should have recused himself simply because to me it is a quid pro quo you sign off if we'll give you the endorsement if you vote yes they both but they both came out on the same day if you vote this now carl wanstein sits on that commerce board uh if there was ever a time governor mckee was the tie-breaking vote so they voted in favor of the stadium carl weinstein abstained from the vote should have voted no should have voted no and said or get a delay i want more information on the project i know he's trying to say he didn't have all the information yet but by abstaining what are you there for if you're going to abstain 
this stadium is uh is a complete money pit the governor doesn't doesn't care governor mckee it's just all about promises taxpayer money on in order to get himself elected and this soccer stadium they can't tell maybe the developer's going to need 20 million more maybe the developer's going to need 100 million more you know in for penny in for a pound once it starts it becomes a money pit that they can't control and the governor doesn't care all he cares about is getting the endorsement i'm sure he feels listen if 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 i if we give them the money and then uh you know i get into office we'll try to figure out a way to somehow you know that that's what it, it there's nothing concrete here now the but the long-term damage taxpayers would be on the hook for this whole thing this soccer stadium th- this is outrageous you don't have a big audience for this there's no proof there's an audience for this and for the amount of money the developers saying they need more money now what do you think they're going to be saying two years from now this just becomes it treats the states as suckers governor mckee i believe should have recused himself from the vote on this pataka soccer stadium this whole business of we're not going to do that to the people of pataka again we, we like what are you talking about it was speaker nick mattiello that did that to the people of pataka with the mccoy stadium situation there were several factors involved one is that governor Raimondo didn't want to have her name on it but mattiello was shaking them down and no one would stand up to him and the Pawsocks called his bluff by the way they're struggling in worcester yeah it would have been a nice thing to keep if they could but you know time moves on those that want to go can make the trip hasn't i wouldn't say that that's completely hurt or impacted the state in 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 any way uh but that was the speaker of the house that did that that voted so this business of well we can't do that to the people but like the people of Pawtucket, what are promise that they get some kind of a professional team mccoy stadium was never in a good location i completely understood the nature of they wanted to put it right along i think that would have been great along 95 uh but that it was misplaced it was speaker mattiello that was trying to shake them down for it no one spoke out about that by the way and gina Ramundo, she could have said hey listen i'm the governor this is on me i'm gonna push this over the finish line what's what's uh what is a shame about what used to be the paw socks i'll say this that was 22 million that the state would not governor mckee he he throws that around like bonuses i mean he is so liquid folks this is as much as people say helena folks is gina 2.0 governor mckee is ed depreet 2.0 what he just remember every time you see one of these endorsements it comes with a price in 2018 the teachers unions in everything's a negotiation with them they endorsed Ramundo and the big question becomes what was promised well then we found out the next year when they got the provision about the evergreen contracts which means that a contract never ends huge advantage it's still in the courts right now being battled out huge disadvantage to the cities and towns so you know what did governor mckee promise the teachers unions and what did he promise the aflcio i think last night was a good indication of it you know if you give the endorsement i'll vote yes and push this soccer stadium over the finish line that's a huge project for the unions to get that's what it's all about but a very disingenuous and the governor right now is in a dangerous situation where he seemingly is willing to promise and do anything in order to try to win this primary we have a lot more head down perry's going to join us some more right here on the john DePietro show propane plus in rhode island for all your propane needs call them 401 401- 885-4209 in massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com 
Propane Plus. Call them, 401-885-4209. Listening to the John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, he has a new book out, The Truth About Energy, Global Warming, Climate Change, Exposing Climate Lies in an Age of Disinformation. We want to welcome to the John DePietro Show, it's Dr. Jerome Corsi. Dr., Thank you for joining us, and congratulations on your new book. Thank you, John. Great pleasure. Thank you. Take us inside a little bit. We know there was a lot of pushback, deep state, others trying to prevent you from putting this out. Take us in, Take us through a little bit the truth about energy, global warming. That's all we're hearing about is President Biden may declare a uh, climate emergency. Well, the, the truth is that there's less carbon dioxide in the atmosphere today than historically has been the case. The Earth is 0.6 billion going back into the Earth, most of the carbon dioxide. About three, about 500 million of the Earth started to reduce dioxide. 175 million ago, uh, 7,500 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. There's only 400 parts per million in the atmosphere. Now, the hysteric global is that, well, we've dealt with carbon dioxide since the Industrial Revolution. That's true. Started the Industrial Revolution, there were only 100 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. At 400 parts per million, it, carbon dioxide is still a trace element. It's something like 0.00% atmosphere. It's really measurable. And it is not the driver of and doctor why why do you think right now there's such a push about climate change and you also put exposing the climate lie in an age of disinformation what 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 are the motivating forces that that uh, you cover in your book in the first four chapters much of the book is and go deeply into it 400 pages about a thousand footnotes largely from peer-reviewed scientific but the first four chapters look at political philosophy. It started in the end of World War II with Louisians, Ehrlich, who said there's too many people, eliminate people, we're going to use the resources of the earth, and got joined by John Holtman, who Obama's science are. But it said, just scare everybody. But then they thought we're going to have a global in the 1970s, which was getting cooler. It got warmer, so no, no, warming. The idea was if you could demonize carbon dioxide, make it the blood, that would end capitalism because hydrocarbon fuels are one of capitalism. And if you could make afraid that hydrocarbon fuels were going to heat the up, achieve neo-Marxism, capture the green movement like AFG has done. You say we've got a lockdown, we've got using energy, Fundamentally, shut down capitalism has been their goal. Karl Marx was alive. They've used another scare. We're all going to die. We're going to have a lockdown. We were die of global warming. A lockdown. Control, totalitarian dominance, not permitting discussion, not permitting debate. These are totalitarian issues. And now making a a real move to be in firm control of our politics our government, our meat, and our Folks, again, uh, we're speaking with Dr. Jerome Corsi, his new book, The Truth About Energy, Global Warming, Climate Change, Exposing Climate Lies in an Age of Disinformation. Dr. Corsi, uh, former Vice President Al Gore, he made the, the rounds on the Sunday shows this past weekend, kind of doing like a, I told you so, I was right, I told you this was coming. What role do you think um, Al Gore plays in all of this? Al Gore has become a multi-millionaire since his inconvenient movie about around 2000. Of course, the predictions he made in that movie come true. Ice caps didn't melt. The oceans haven't risen. Cities are not flooded with. But it doesn't matter that the left true or not. They don't care. They, it's about fear. They continue to repeat lies. This is a very changing place. We've had in history, uh, I say, come and go. Right now, in an interglacial warming period, it started about 
thousand years ago. We're probably going to stage, but can it be because of hydrocarbon fuels? I mean, the big my point book tales. You know, look how sun heats Earth. It's an announcement to the left. They are they are sun. The sun is the most driver of Earth's and the Earth has a elliptical orbit. It gets more elliptical. The length of it, which I describe in detail, and you can uh, correlate stages with the Milankovitch cycles of a greater elliptical pattern of the Earth around the sun. This changing place that mountains rock in cataclysmic forces. What talking about today is a minuscule in carbon dioxide that a warmer with greener trees abundant can absorb the carbon dioxide the carbon cycle is the human gore's desire uh, we've been here a million years and 4.6 years that's about a microsecond if the earth is concerned we're just the most recent walking around on the surface the earth's weather is designed to distribute heat Cross, it's a very complex system, nonlinear. Explain in the book how one factor counts for all the warming. It's scientific nonsense. Folks, again, we speak with Dr. Jerome Corsi. Doctor, I believe this is your 25th book, and I just want to remind people uh, Dr. Corsi's had two New York Times bestseller lists hit number one. And I, I thought of you, actually, because last week, President Biden, last Wednesday, he was in Massachusetts um, and sitting right there listening to him was was John Kerry. And I, I remember vividly your book uh, that you co-authored with John O'Neill, Unfit for Command, Swift Boat Veterans Speak Out a bit About John Kerry. What about John Kerry's role in climate change? Well, John has been on, the, on board with every leftist pipe that Let's just craze has come down the pipe since he was a child. Uh, and now his major theme is making sure that Iran gets a nuclear weapon. He's fully on board with the global warming. Of course, Kerry is a multimillionaire and a private jet. Hypocrisy of the astounding. And the left is me. I co-authored that book with John O'Neill on man. Um, the Bill trying to put me in prison, not lie, to um, convict Trump. I, I did not have a tie to Julian Hines. That was their last Lindgren argument. And uh, they were to plead guilty, refused, and indict me. Again, the left has hated. This book will be suppressed. Uh, I'm getting on television. Uh, maybe not on and the left will ridicule me like they always do. I recall every name of the book. And um, it comes with the territory. Uh, I'm still persisting, though, to tell the truth. I think it's probably the best book or most comprehensive I've ever read until almost a year. And if anyone reads this book, it's game will not be able to listen to the left and believe them to understand science and politics. I have this truth about energy and climate change. Folks, again, it's Dr. Jerome Corsi. Doctor, one last question before I let you go. How did your life change after your bestseller, number one New York Times, and of course I'm talking about the Obama Nation, leftist politics, cult of personality. How did your life change after that? Increase the demon is me. I mean, calling me all kinds of names. Uh, go read Wikipedia. It's so packed with... Um, biased. The left hates anyone who doesn't agree with them. If you don't bow down to the left, you disagree uh, with an idea or, or believe in God, believe in the Constitution of America, you are your enemy of the left. We'll do everything they can to destroy you. Experience that. You know, I was thrown off of Twitter. Uh, you know, I've had a very hard time on social media. I'm on CloudHub right now. About the only one. And um, You'll find, I've gone through this now for 20 years, but, you know, it's kind of like a, a badge of, because I, uh, I you know, have a deep faith. Uh, I believe that uh, God put us here for a mission that does not aggrandize and enrich ourselves. And um, 
God's mission was to forth and prosper on this earth. And what these demons of the left want to do is, um, you know, everything babies to ending carbon fuels to making people pay outrageous amount of money for food. Uh, it, it's a, a destroy capitalism. They want to break the United States along the way to try, still trying to resist. Now I'm going to do it through writing. Folks, again, he is Dr. Jerome Corsi. Doctor, congratulations on the book. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams drug testing full laboratory services and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. To the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11 and we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, petro.com. Joining me right now is one of my siblings. It is Donna Perry. She is an independent columnist and opinion maker. And DJ, I'd like to start off with uh, what we saw playing out. <clears throat> Granted, in Arizona, but uh, boy, that, who'd ever think you'd see the day? Uh, dueling rallies. And, and former Vice President Mike Pence, President Trump, both backing different candidates uh vice president pence by the way he he got a good reaction he's he's in the game he's engaged uh what does this tell us about potentially for 2024 yes and good to be with you um i think the past few days uh are kind of a turning point and i think that it it was all kind of remarkable um when when we're looking at jd these two men who were side by side through the stormy Trump years. Um, and I, I just think that there is going to be, this could be what a, a roadmap of what we're going to see. I mean, the fact that I think Pence has uh, his own viewpoint that he can capture a part of the party that has turned on Trump. Trump is obviously Trump. I do think, um, I mean, there's a lot to be said for Trump's whole, you know, vibe and how he was um, over the weekend at the turning point. But in terms of what's going on in Arizona, this is very interesting because the uh, the candidate that uh, Pence is backing is more sort of the conventional candidate. And then they're claiming that Trump's person is, you know, sort of was a late in the race and she's just a a Trump person, a former news anchor, et cetera, John. And I, I do think that it's going to be played very large of which candidate who they're attached to comes out on top. Um, so it, it does put it in sharp contrast. And I, I do think that this is going to be huge if you are seeing the emergence of like a Pence-Trump rivalry, which I think this is kind of headed in that direction. But Donna Perry, what do you think? What does this mean for the rest of the potential field for 2024? Yeah, well, what I see this as is those two, if they end up primarying each other, which would be remarkable when you think of their history, I think who's going, who's beginning to benefit the most is Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Because, um, you know, J.D., that's that's the thing. Like, that actually is almost a gift, if you will, to DeSantis, because if Pence really is going to do this and, and be his own, there's a lot of talk. He's, you know, that's what he's putting together. I think DeSantis gets to play that role of 
you know, let they're going to have to answer to each other one way or another. I know a lot of these Republicans think they can kind of dodge Trump, but DeSantis gets to kind of rise above that, John. And that is a, you know, that's a well-known, there is a lot of uh, political precedence for someone who gets to kind of thrive by a little bit being, they're having their, you know, fight over there. I'm going to rise above this. Of course, they're going to, you know, we don't know it's early. Are these three really in the in the running for 2024. I mean, I would say there's no question. Um, but I think it benefits DeSantis in a couple of things, John. Trump and Pence, not only were they together, not only does this look very juicy, let's face it, John, for the media that now they're yeah. like, they become arch rivals. Yep. And I think so much of what came out of January 6th, I know despite people who are skeptics and saying, oh, it's so repetitive. I think that these hearings have really mattered. And I think it also... You know, it could give credence to people who think, well, Pence has every right to have like turned on Trump, you know, if you will. Um, And so I think DeSantis brings I just think he brings something that is going to be very hard for Trump in this way. He just is fresh uh, figure, meaning new to the national stage. He is um, wildly popular in Florida, but not only Florida, here's what I think he brings, not to mention he's younger and he's youthful. And I think he can just say, I can be the future. And, and he does have, you know, a good argument that people feel that DeSantis is the one who can talk about and has John won, frankly, on issues in Florida, on issues that Republican voters care about. That, that's, right. that's what's getting lost in here, in my yep. humble opinion, with the Trump camp. People really care about that DeSantis stood up to the CDC bureaucracy and John, they care. He kept the kids in school. That is a larger issue. You and I, I'm out in the suburbs. You know, that mattered to a lot of families. And as a larger issue, you don't have to live in Florida. He stood up to them. He's made remarks like, I wouldn't let, you know, Fauci win. I'm not letting the CDC win. We kept the kids in school. And by the way, he kept the restaurants and businesses running. That's um, right. And I do think when you have this colossal thing that happened to the U.S. or the pandemic, it's not just in the rearview mirror. You and I know that, John. People are still struggling with what happened. They've yep. struggled with the shutdowns. You, uh, you know, are always talking to businesses. They're trying to come back. It's not a small issue. It's a national issue. And my Mm. point is DeSantis, between the schools, the parents, that issue, I I just think he gets to, like, sort of leapfrog ahead a little bit because he can, and uh, Concrete talk about it, and I would just say this about him, that he's more polished, to be honest, (laughs) at a microphone. Trump has... His playbook, no question. And Trump right. has massive following. There's no question about that. I think it's just going to be the real question, though. Is there Trump burnout in other parts of the party? I know people want to, you know, there are people who would never feel that way. But I, I just think that if it's Pence, Trump, and this becomes more apparent, you know, wow. I mean, you're you're really going to have to say that as the media becomes preoccupied with that, that's how a DeSantis can be the guy running up on the side of the, you know, of the race line. Um, Folks, we're speaking with Donna Perry. DeSantis is also younger. And you know what else, Donna Perry? Uh, You know, Florida, it's a unique state. It's not as if it's a state that people don't know or don't visit. People go and what's their experience? They went there on vacation. It was sunny. It was clean. Right, right. It's a very favorable impression. It's different than... Uh, you know, say yeah. like Jay Pritzker of, of Illinois, you know, how many people are really visiting there? OK, so maybe some people go and visit Chicago, but but it's just it's a completely different. You know, you have to almost take people's words for it that he does a good job in Illinois vibe, compared yep. with, right. you know, Florida to me really has become like the new California. You know, yeah. the way people used to go, it's everything is open. It's possible. Um, he just completely turn the state in the corner around during the pandemic. Right. And John, like great point about Illinois. I I think Pritzker is uh, on the Democratic side. I mean, to me, I I don't think a guy like that's going very far. 
no. in a race. But I think when you talk about um, a Florida, as you say, not only all of what you just said, Florida has benefited from there was a huge migration from the Northeast. Yes, that's right. From the pandemic. And J.D., a lot of it is people with money and they want a, you know, a good life or investment. And they're from New York, and but they're also yeah. from New England. And right. they're not going back. <laughs> they're not going back no. north where they see problems and crime and all that. So, you know, I think um, I, I just think there's a lot of stuff that and, and DeSantis is whoever is working with him. They're very, very clever, in my view, and meaning that in a very good way, yeah. because I think. It's a smart strategy. He doesn't mention Trump by name. He's not remotely engaging him. I think he's doing a really smart political playbook. He goes right to what I was just saying about, like, you know, he's hitting these high points. Um, And and J.D., let's face it, there is, when you talk about conservative young groups, um, there's a lot of foot soldiers in those kinds of groups. That's right. There's energy. Boy, yep. I saw young people and turning they were point. saying, we, yeah. Yeah, right, like a turning point USA. Boy, that was phenomenal. And those kinds of that kind of enthusiasm, it, it plays its optics too, John. Like yeah. he just can look like the future. Well, then he is younger. Yeah. You know, at a time that we're going to talk about, we're dealing with these older Older yes. men, let's face it, late seventies, almost approaching eighty. Yeah, and you just wonder if the country's ready to turn the page from that, and just almost collectively, voters make a decision. Let's get yeah someone under the age of sixty, folks. Quick break. <laughs> Much more ahead. Donna Perry, right here on the John DePietro Show. Home again, consignment located. Governor Francis Shopping Center, fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry buy, sell, or sell in consignment, and estate sales are provided. It's Home Again Consignment. Call John, 401-463-3310. Again, located right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center. Home Again Consignment. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. And DJ, um, it's, it's very significant. Some people may blow it off, but I'm talking about it shouldn't be lost on people. You mentioned the January 6th hearings, and if they had any real effect to me, when you see the New York Post and the Wall Street yep. Journal both publish scathing editorials uh, about President Trump, and, and I get that there were some people kind of new to the party, to the scene, so to speak. They don't understand the gravitas that those two publications have, how they have operated traditionally. When both of them basically put out, and there's even talk of how, you know, uh, President Trump's now is calling Fox and Friends, no reflection like Dave Petro, but like the dark side. And oh, the right. Turned right. on him. Yes, um, not my niece. Be lost. You have to look at how someone came up and then where they stand now. And, and you know, initially early on, 15, 16, meaning 2015, 2016, New York Post, Wall Street Journal, and certainly Rupert Murdoch Fox, they were very much in Trump's corner. It's a different world in 22 when he saw is kind of referring to them as the enemy. And they're, you know, those those are very hard hitting editorials. Absolutely. Um, I would agree with you a hundred percent on this, John. This is a very big deal in my view, um, because, as you say, you know, Murdoch who, by the way, has a history and a record of really seeing where the vibe is. You know, right. he, he really does. They, by, and they were not, um, you know, dancing around the edges kind of editorials. No. They were very hard hitting, John. They were not ambiguous. I mean, he, they stated he is not worthy to be reclaim wow. the White House. Huh. I mean, that, like they went to the mat. And I would say that went to the top like he and his son, by the way, people, you know, who maybe don't follow a lot of this like you and I do, John, the the son is the heir to the empire, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lachlan Murdoch, because he Rupert Murdoch, I believe, is 90, 91. So, you know, there you go. And I think he is also as anyone who's going to inherit a major media empire. He has to look to the future. And I think there is some. Business decisions, John, always at work. 
And I think they may view, again, they, they stated as they stated it, and the Wall Street Journal has, has their own credibility, John. They're not going to applaud what has now been, I think, almost painfully revealed about um, Trump's behavior on that day. I think for most people, you would be wincing to think he sat at a TV in the White House dining room and right to his own daughter, like saying, you need to speak, you need to call this out. Um, those things are very damning. But I think these editorials um, are, as I say, they're not ambiguous, John. They, they laid it out. That's Murdoch's point of view. Um, and I, again, I do think they may sense that like we're kind of done with the guy and i right. know that people that sounds you know, hard to hear hard to hear but um, what i think and, yeah. and it's a good point that i'm pairing that people need to understand is that they understand you know once you print this there's no coming back from it this isn't right said, there's nothing ambiguous about it they recognize you know just as you said they're ready to move on it's got to be it's very painful for the person that is hearing that and reading that, but what people need to recognize, and I think there's a lot of people that are on Truth Social and they watch the rallies, they don't understand nope. that. I think President Trump understands it, but this isn't, they didn't come to it lightly. This isn't, okay, you know, CNN fake news. These are very powerful, right. influential publications that that more often than not are not wrong with who they back in going forward. Well, that's the thing. And John Murdoch and, and to, I would say to a great degree, Fox news, which is yes. his, you know, the gem of the empire, John, yep. the conservative movement, I'm sorry for Trump has to be bigger than, than Donald Trump. Right. And, and as you say, um, you know, that happens in politics and he, it'd be one thing if he had done all this and he was age 48, he's, you know, what, co coming up on 77, 78. I mean, yes. I think that there is a hard, cold business calculation here that, that can't escape people. And like you say, the people who are, you know, you know, live or die, the rallies, um, Murdoch, John, they're ahead of that viewpoint and they have to be. And they have this colossal, um, to their credit, they have built a huge cornerstone in influencing American uh, politics in the public and and they have that whole thing to carry and they yeah. i think they really do believe john they really are saying that we have to turn a corner and we're not going to spend some three four like you know it, it, and i think they doubt he's going to actually even be able to run and that's a separate issue about could he legally be stopped because of if there is you know, charges. But, but I think in this case, like you say, I mean, I think they've made the decision. There's no turning back. That was not. Um, it wasn't you know, done lightly. Right. And, and they, right. it's a final note on this. What people need to understand is and it's like Wall Street, Donna Perry. They're in the business of picking winners and losers. It's as simple as that. It's, right. It's very black and white. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's a tough, tough thing to yep. listen to. But yep. that's what they are in the business of. You know, when they go on and they're someone's going on national television from Wall Street to Jamie Dimon or whatever, and they say, this is the way it's going. This is the winner. This is not the way to go. You know, there's a lot at stake. They recognize that this in some ways almost becomes very transactional. Folks, we're speaking with independent columnists, Donna Perry and DJ. Talk about the unnecessary photo op that that uh, lingers on. President Biden totally unnecessarily flies into <laughs> TF Green Airport. <laughs> then goes to Somerset, <coughs> butchering every name possible. Austin Claus becomes Austin Sauce, and <laughs> let's get her up here. I mean, it's one mistake after another off the teleprompter, and then winds up with COVID, where he has then been, you know, secluded ever since. I believe when we're talking about there's no coming back. I, my opinion, yeah, he doesn't come back from this. That was it was totally unnecessary. There was no reason to make the trip. He's been sidelined with COVID for five days since. I think, I believe, to me, that's the final nail in the Biden coffin. Well, you just laid it all out uh, correctly, Good John. God. And 
Also, can I just say, though, from the again, this fumbling public relations team, well, he's not fully hiding out. And the little the snippets they've allowed, John, I'm just not trying to be mean. I think it makes him look and sound like he's 100 years old (laughs) because the really beat up voice that you can get from that kind of a deep, deep, you know, throat thing. Terrible. Between the voice and his pallor, oh. his people have like his skin, his pallor yeah. is like you know alabaster white. I don't know. I, know. I think it's Put almost. Some makeup on I guy. think it's worse that they are sh- even showing him with this yes. fake. He's working like yeah. it's John. It's almost foolish. I think that it makes is. it worse. And as you say, I you don't come. I think it reminds people how old and feeble he is. So they. They think this is trotting this out. Um, and then, you know, the, the current press secretary is, to me, oh. she's, John, she's terrible. Liability. And yeah. and she's not efficient. And she's no. like arguing in these awkward ways with the basic question. CNN's guy said, well, where exactly do you think he got it? And she slams back like it's irrelevant where he got it. But, Unreal. And John, by the way, th- this was the administration. And all the, you know, remember the const, uh, the contact tracing, you know, bureaucracy, they were like yelling at people if they couldn't pinpoint That's like right. who they had been there. Yes. And I think it was, I forget which guy at CNN. Um, and, and she's like barking back at him and, and, oh gosh, I mean, I just, you know, and as you say, I don't think he comes back from it. I think no. these optics again, make him look even more old and feeble. Yes. Um, so, you know, okay, he's on the medication. He'll get over it, uh, I guess. And the throat, it's just, it's just oh, my goodness. You know, and, and on top of that, it is, um, <clears throat> well, we, we knew. Listen, he had low approval ratings, and then the wife stumbled. I also just saw the, uh, the press secretary for uh, First Lady Jill Biden just resigned. So there's also a lot of oh, pushback with yeah. how some of that is going. Um that that and, and and Donna Perry, the fact that there's a resignation, um, you know, I, I mean, you yeah. worked in those jobs. That's that's not OK. It's time to move on. Let's transition to something else. Right. Uh, a resig. Uh, you tell me uh, but a White House immediate resignation, the press person for the first lady. That sure sounds like we need your resignation by 12 noon or you're going to be fired. Yeah. that Like that's yeah. a, a very big deal. That's a, a prominent person, you know, with mm. the first lady that's pretty high up. And John, who, what they do is that they're making, to me, they often they're making room for someone. They have yeah. different top political advisors. This Anita Dunn lady is trying to help them now. She yep. may be saying, I want this other person. Um, maybe they thought Jill Biden wasn't, you know, effective enough and well represented even through this whole chapter but yeah like they, john they, they're going to stop put start pushing people out of jobs yeah because they're sinking and right. every everyone knows it and that's what they do and they panic and they, they're like oh, we'll get the other one out there and you know so that's um yeah that's breaking right now and and that's not any of that is a good sign <laughs> no. folks quick break much more head donna perry right here on the john DePietro show the Senadale Revival. Stop in and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. And DJ, uh, you know, some of politics is somewhat, you know, the theater, the campaign, smiling different people, you know, that whole thing. But let's go to the other side. I want to hear your reaction. AOC, some members of the squad, uh, they wanted to have almost a big photo op in front of the Supreme Court. But I applaud people like Tucker Carlson and others that called her out. When you first saw the images and she's walking, and she's got her hands behind her back, and there's a Capitol Police officer has a hand on, on her shoulder, uh, her arm, actually. I, actu- I actually thought, when I looked at it, like, wow, she got arrested. Then we learned, number one, not only was she not arrested, number two, she right. just had her hands behind her back. She wasn't even in handcuffs. 
right? Well, I just, exactly. And John, you know, this just points to that this, she is like a performer. You yeah. know, she, that's how she views it. And she just cares about the image she, she wanted on social media. She was yep. not arrested or handcuffed. And you're no. right. And good for them for pointing it out. And she also had this very kind of arrogant uh, way to me, her expression and the way she was walking uh, and wanted to say, oh, look at this, um, you know, and, and almost like trying to like, you know, beat down the point of saying, look what I'll do for abortion rights. You know, I'm, I'm getting arrested and look at, oh, this uh, police, you know what I mean? Like, I think it was all this optics she wanted um, and, and it wasn't even accurate. So she's like faking for a photo op, you know, yes. what was really going on. Um, and then I think it was some of the other folks with her like bothered to they were like cheering their hands in the air the whole time so it was obvious people were not handcuffed at all and they're members of congress and i think it was uh representative clark from mass so she's like pumping her fist the whole time and then um i don't know the uh the other member of the squad was like you know and they were all like doing the fake um you know i'm handcuffed no you're not so again it's just all about this imagery and the optics and she wants, you know, to just have this run on social media that way, John, and then they would share it out. Um, and then she gets called out. So you're right. Like good for Tucker Carlson and people who said, um, okay, there was like a big fake thing here. And I also think John, by the way, that's very disrespectful to the Capitol police officer. It is. Yes. I mean, they've been through a lot and, you know, I think he probably felt so don't like, you know, you're like making it up that I handcuffed you or if his metropolitan police, et cetera. That's, that's just Perry, typical what, of her. Yeah. What is your thought of uh, those in finance, wall street saying that predictions for a mild recession are delusional? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Now the white house, they're trying to, you know, everything is spin. People yep. need to rethink what recession means. We need to recast the word. Everything, you know, it kind of reminds me of reimagining policing. <laughs> yes. Now it becomes we need to reimagine what a recession is. Um, you know, Janet Yellen, I, I that was uncomfortable to watch her mm-hmm. uh, trying to make the rounds on the Sunday shows. But that that's to me, that's where they are right now. Like we need to start to reimagine the word recession. Yeah. And the economist uh, Rubini, he's just called it right. It is delusional, John. He's correct to call them out and get on the record and say that you're right. Like anyone in uh, all the economists say, John, it's, it's a factual thing. If you've had two quarters of negative growth, negative GDP growth, it, it means it signals a recession. Uh, It's, and that's, you know, let's be honest, that's six months of time when you're talking about two quarters. So they, you know, whether you get the uh, other guys on, on different, um, the financial shows, they're all saying we're not fine. We're not doing fine. They see all the pullback from, you know, the investments, et cetera. But it's like everything with this White House, John, it's part of a larger problem and how they communicate about these issues um, you know, they basically, they lied about the supply chain thing. They weren't ready for that. They've kind of, um, lie and talk their way around the oil issue and, and anything about the economy, they're just trying to deny it. They know the public is really turned off. They're angry at Biden, John, they, they, it is in Biden's lap. And they don't want, for political reasons, that people are calling it Biden's recession. Well, yep. they have a right to call it that. That's right. Um, they would have called things Trump's this and that. It is Biden's recession. Um, they don't like the terms. I mean, we're within, what, three months to the midterm elections or so. That's so funny. all of these things is just like the spin. And by the way, John, like you say, Janet Yellen, who talks in circles, like, is so not effective. Um, on, on any of these things. No. Um, and her saying, you know, she's back and forth. And first they were saying it's a transitional time. And, and which, what does that mean? And after the pandemic, and now maybe a mild recession, even Gina Raimondo, John, I think she's hurt herself with some of her appearances yes. this summer. Agreed. Yes. Um, she's at Commerce and they think she's going to be like waiting in the wings for Treasury Secretary. Okay. 
Um, I don't know that you're going to get away with, you know, you're going to have a lot of, there's a lot of respected economists, Larry Summer from Harvard, all these people yep. in this country, John, they're, they're not, I don't care if you're Gina Romano, Janet Yellen, they're just because you're a female and you got elevated to that post, they're not going to let you get away with like that level of spin. When That's we, right. everyone can see every day that the, yep. what's going on with the U.S. economy. Donna Perry, finally, um, Al Gore, I haven't seen him in a while. He made the rounds on the Sunday shows. He had this backdrop of uh, black and kind of showed the uh, ozone oh, layer. Yep. He was the original, you know, inconvenient truth, global warming, climate change. You know, as knowledgeable, <clears throat> excuse me, as the former vice president may be. And then it, at some point, actually, Jonathan Carl on ABC this week was trying to kind of applaud him for the way he handled the transition. But... Um, just your thoughts on Gore. You know, he's always just been this awkward character. I mean, as many interviews as he's done and the guy ran for president when he was doing these, you know, the Sunday shows, which should be, you know, like old home week. And he's so comfortable. He just forever has this, I don't know, this awkwardness about him that I, I think he he's just never overcome that. But I'd just like to hear your thoughts on, on Al Gore making the appearances on climate change. Right. And I would agree uh, on that. Look, I, I think on top of the fact that he's he's just so like he doesn't connect to no. an audience. He just doesn't. He's very pedantic. He, he reminds you of that you're in a kind of a classroom and of a science or classroom or maybe in college. Um, and I think the way he speaks, John, he does not connect on this, which should be, as you say, at this point. And he was, you know, to his credit, he was 30 years ago, you know, he, he, you'd think he has mastered the talking points and he, that he, he doesn't speak in a fluid way. He doesn't no. sound like he's like trying to relate to the average person who might look at this kind of a summer with a high heat wave everywhere. Okay. But like John, he doesn't connect like that. And then he's got this odd, dark backdrop, as you say, of the ozone layer. Whoever thought of that would be effective. I don't <laughs> I think it almost just made him look like a like a creation of a computer generated. Bill Nye, yes. It like, was odd. Like, a, like, is it him or a robot? Like he was like a generated person. A like Spock. Right, yeah. right. And he, he just brought all that to mind. It was so not authentic. And, and he has that odd, like not like sort of distant formal, formal way of speaking that Very is much. not, doesn't cross over today. He's saying these you know, long sentences and saying, and Jonathan, like yes. over, he over pronounces people's names or something Always. like it's just very not effective. Um, and oddly, again, like, you know, what he was saying 30 years ago, we're running out of time, John, that I'll just say this for the climate movement. I, you, they need to have new talking points. That's like, right. Because they yes. said 30 years ago. I think they said we have 30 years left. So right. people are like, well, okay, we appear to still be here. It's um, like the guy with the, you know, the, the sign that says the end is near, the end of the world is coming, and he's just always out there. That's what it comes across. He really, that, whoever thought that's effective, yeah. Uh, like you say, between his very stilted, I'd call it, delivery. Very much. Um, and from, kind of flashbacks as to the lockbox and that debate with Bush and yeah. you know, became a parody on Saturday Night Live. But Gore, you know, no, no it, fluid it, discussion. Nothing, like that's no. what you need, you know, yes. I mean, so. Folks, again, she is independent columnist, opinion maker, Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always. And uh, we will talk to you again. You bet.